We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining me for this episode is Lee Scott. He is the lead analyst for Total Football Analysis and the author of the brand new book, Mastering the Premier League, The Tactical Concepts Behind Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. So I'm almost finished the book. Hasn't taken me long at all. Really, really enjoyed it and highly recommend it to coaches out there. Completely different from Pep Confidential, and we're going to talk about some of the aspects that stood out for me. Recruitment, player profiling, structure versus creativity, Pep Guardiola's management style, coaching jargon, and how you can beat this Manchester City team. So some great insight from Lee, and I think you will go on to get the book after listening to this for sure. This podcast is brought to you by Heya, a free and simple communication app for all coaches, team managers, parents, players to use on a daily basis. Instead of juggling email conversation, messaging apps, spreadsheets, this was designed by coaches and players themselves to easily organize games, training sessions right there on the app. If you're coaching more than one team, Heya makes it simple to manage them all in one place. Players can mark their availability for upcoming events with going or not going feature and even leave a note to tell the coach if they may or not be joining that practice. You can message the whole group or you can just keep it one to one and there is also a one click training reminder. So please go ahead, check out the app modernsoccercoach.com slash Heya. That's H-E-J-A to read more. It's also available on the App Store and Google Play. 100% free for everyone to use. Check it out, modernsoccercoach.com slash H-E-J-A. Here is Lee, enjoy. Lee, thanks so much for joining me this morning, finally, to get you on the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. Excited to have you on. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks. It has been a little while, isn't it? We've been kind of talking about this for a little while on and off and and in the last couple of months especially so yeah thanks very much for bringing me on yeah you've done a a brilliant job with uh, football analysis and then the the book coming out so we're going to talk a lot about the book i'm halfway well three quarters of a way through it really really enjoying it and i thought about you know do i go in with questions about you know inspiration behind it and thought you know what i'll steamroll in and then i'll get to those at the end so you do a great job in the book of not only breaking down the team, city team positionally, but then also comparing these players that, like comparing a Kyle Walker with a Danny Alves, comparing Pep's players that he had in certain positions at different clubs. And although Pep Guardiola has more money than we would all dream of to work through in the transfer market, it it seems to me reading your book that he hasn't looked for the exact same type of profile at every club. What do you? What's your thoughts on this? Do you agree? Disagree? No, I, I totally agree. But I think that this is something that, that Guardiola maybe doesn't get enough credit for um, in the wider football and public is his ability that he's shown to adapt, and that's not necessarily something that we saw in the first instance. So 
Um, if you read the book by uh, Marty Perno, the uh, Pep Confidential, the one, the original one, back when he was at, at Bayern Munich, he talks about the fact that when Pep first went to Germany in the, that first transfer window, the only player that he was interested in the club bringing in was Thiago from Barcelona. So straight away, you're seeing that that Guardiola is planning to go into Bayern Munich, and he's just going to try and replicate. Barcelona basically so that I think that was his original intention that he was going to use he's talked about the fact that he thought he would use Frank Ribery in the Messi roles a false nine he would bring Thiago in and that would be his, his I suppose combination really Thiago would be of, of Xabi or Iniesta on either side but then I think Guardiola very quickly realised that the pattern of play from the opposition of teams in Germany is very different to that in Spain and maybe his his original idea to, to bring the Barcelona model wholesale to Germany wasn't going to work and that's when we first started to see him innovate if you like so he, he started to think about different ways to create opportunities and overloads and isolations and all these different things that he always does as a coach but he tried to he tried to find players who would suit Germany as well as suiting the way that he wanted to play. I think um, if you look at his final season in Germany, the, the kind of players that they brought in then, bringing in Arturo Vidal to play in midfield, he's about as far from a Barcelona player, even, even though he's at Barcelona now, he's as far from the Barcelona player and uh, under the pet model, if you like, than you could possibly get. But he became a key part of the Bayern Munich team because of his ability to to press and to run and maybe a little bit more physicality in the midfield to allow others to play. And then again, when he moved to England, there was that initial season when there were games when Manchester City struggled and, and you could see that Guardiola was frustrated and didn't quite understand initially exactly what the, the expectation on the team would be in terms of their, their physical profile of the opponents. So you talked about there was a game, I think, against Stoke where the ball spent a certain percentage of the time in the air and and Gladio just wasn't used to that. So again, he had to make adaptions to his game model at Manchester City. You saw him go out after that first year and yeah, we saw him spend money. That's another thing that he gets criticised for. I don't quite understand if the money's there and you need to, to get world-class players. And as a coach, you're going to try and do that, right? You're not going to you're not going to think to yourself, well, I better not spend that because I'll, I'll get criticised by fans of other clubs if they think I've overspent. But he went out and signed fullbacks, and all of a sudden Manchester City were playing this free-flowing attack in football and, and the rest is history, if you like. So, yeah, I think he's, he's certainly adapted and he's adapted his recruitment. He's adapted his, his style of play and his game model, and, and that's what I think makes him so interesting as a coach. Yeah, that innovation, that creativity... It's a big part of the book, and obviously it's it's delivered in a in a real tactical way. I think with a tactical focus, but at the same time, when you when you start to read it, I didn't realize how flexible or forwardy thinking he was with those positions. Because sometimes, as coaches, when we have success somewhere else, we then take the same template to the next destination. And mm-hmm. how much has he taken of that same template, and how much has he has he almost you know, changed with the players? I think there are certain principles that stay the same. And, and when you talk about Guardiola, it's not so much about formations as much as he, he's always really been wedded to the four-three-three. It's not just formations, it's principles of play and, and how they, they use an attack space that, that's kind of the key. I think that there are certain things that run through Barcelona, Bayern Munich and, and Manchester City, and that's the, the ability to 
to create favourable matchups and one-on-one situations, if you like. So, if we go back to Barcelona, the decision to um, to use Messi centrally as a false nine came as a result of trying to find a way to occupy space between the Real Madrid centre halves and Xabi Alonso as the six. Messi was instructed that he would drop off the front line, he would occupy that space and create one-on-one opportunities against isolated centre-backs. Then you look at Bayern Munich and we had the same thing, but this time it was Rebin, uh, Ribery and Robin sorry, on, on the wings. And instead of the focus being central, if you liked, with Messi, the focus for Bayern was wide. So they pulled their full-backs into the inverted positions in the centre. So Philip Lam and David Alaba would come inside and that would leave the wingers isolated against the opposition fullback. So Bayern Munich quickly switch play, isolate them and then attack one-on-one in the wide areas. And now when you look at Manchester City, we're seeing similar situations now when they look to get the likes of Leroy Sané or Raheem Sterling isolated one-on-one against players and then and then attack that space and attack that man and everything kind of flows through the same way. So there are similarities that come all the way through, but it, the way that he he uses that space and the way that he uses that concept, if you like, that tactical concept, I think that's what's changed and that's what's made it difficult for, for opposition coaches to really be ready, if you like, or to, to prepare for a team a Pep Guardiola team because he has different ways that he's able to 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 access this these certain concepts and that's what that's what makes him such a strong coach. Yeah, you said there a few minutes ago made him such an interesting coach and you know he, I don't think there's there's not many in the coaching community who don't enjoy Pep Guardiola's team. So yeah. it would be a pretty stupid question for me to ask you what was the inspiration behind the book, but. I was interested to know when, when that inspiration almost, you know, when did it strike you that was it in his Barca days, was it Bayern or was it then moving to England or when was the moment that you thought, I'm going to put this here in the, in the document of work and share with the community? I think it was something that, that goes way back to when he was at Barcelona. I mean, I used to do everything I could to catch Barcelona games. So you would drop whatever you were doing and you, you would make sure you tuned in that Barcelona team because... At the time, it was a brand of football and a type of football that that hadn't been seen. I hadn't seen it. Now I'm I'm old enough now that when I started watching football, Italian football was all the rage. So I I grew up watching the the Milan of Saki, and that I always thought was kind of the closest thing to this Barcelona team because of the way that they they had such a, a set pattern of play that they used all the time. So. Even back then, from when I started writing about football properly, I started writing for a Bayern Munich blog, for example, when when he moved to Bayern Munich because I wanted to cover as many Bayern Munich games and the Guardiola as I could. So the interest ran through. And then with Total Football Analysis, I would try and cover as much Manchester City as I could because, again, it's Pat Guardiola, Guardiola and I want to know exactly what he's doing and I want to watch as many games as I can. Um, in terms of writing a book, I, I never... I never sat down at any point in the last three or four years and thought to myself, right, I'm going to write a book. It's always been something that was, I think, a bucket list. And when we were chatting beforehand, I told you that I got a bit of a thrill when I saw it on a bookshelf, because in a bookshop, because to me, that, that was the ultimate, just seeing it there and amongst all those other books. I love books, so seeing it in a bookshop was great. I never thought I would write a book. It was the off chance I saw... I saw somebody else mention that they just signed a, a deal with a publisher and it was pitch publishing. So I sent the, the publisher an email on the Sunday night just saying, I've got this idea for a book. I would like to write a book about Pep Guardiola. Kind of 
thought nothing more of it. I thought I probably wouldn't even get a reply. I got an automatic reply saying that they only considered pitches every three months. And I thought, well, that's that then. And at nine o'clock the next morning, I got an email back from them wanting details and it kind of snowballed from there. So I think the book itself came about almost by chance, but I've always had that interest in Guardiola and that interest in the way that he plays football. So it just made perfect sense for the two to align, if you like. I said to you just before we started recording that you know what I loved about the book was how clean it was put together and how it flowed and you know every couple of pages you just pick up on little tactical differences or tactical progressions that Pep has put into his system at City. One that jumped out at me was when you talked about press resistance. Yeah, can you elaborate on this here? Yeah. Press, press resistance is a term that it's become more widespread over the last couple of years and I think that's as a result of the the gegenpressing or counterpressing revolution that we saw in football a couple of years ago. So from when, when Guardiola was at, at Bayern Munich, obviously Klopp was at Borussia Dortmund and that was the, the era of heavy metal football and high press and counterpressing, gegenpressing, all the same thing. But But that's kind of the different terms that were used for it. And that's when we started to see midfielders evolve into a slightly different kind of player, if you like, whereas before, I mean, the traditional midfielder from 10, 15 years ago was somebody who could tackle, who could pass, who could run. It was the all-rounder. Now we're seeing midfielders who not only have to be able to tackle, pass, run, they now have to be able to dribble. They now have to be able to withstand pressure from opposition players because they know they're going to get pressed in the centre because space is so constricted. So a player with press resistance is somebody who is capable of not only feeling pressure coming, if you like, but being able to still play under that pressure. So there are different ways to do it. If you take a, a David Silva, for example, he's obviously the master at finding little pockets of space in that left half space. But when he has the ball, if he's pressed and he has the agility and the ability and the dribbling capacity to get away from pressure and to beat the pressing player. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you beat that pressing player in the centre, you open up space for your team exponentially because you've beaten somebody in the centre. Now another defensive player has to engage the ball and that creates space elsewhere. And that's what that's what I think Pep Guardiola teams are so good at. But there are other ways to be press resistant. If you look at Fabinho at Liverpool, who's one of the most press resistant players out there, and he does it through a blend of physicality and and awareness. So he feels the pressure coming, players bounce off him, and then he's away and he's passed past them or he's dribbled past them and he's gone. So, yeah, it's just, it's just a term, I think, that's being used more and more now by football analysts and by coaches to describe what they need players to do if they're under pressure, and not just to panic and try to play away from you as soon as the pressure's coming, but be brave be able to receive the ball and then accept the fact you're going to come under pressure but still be able to play out of that. So it's a, I think it's a key a key component in modern football now. Yeah, the language in the book was you pretty much kept it jargon-free, which, again, another area that I really enjoyed about it. I was expecting quite a few cliches because that's where mm -hmm. and how the football language has become almost how we're consuming football these days. It's hard to, to pick a an article that doesn't isn't bombarded just with link language that's trying to get you to complex and it could be just placed more simple on, on the reader. Was this something that you made a conscious effort for? Is this something that just comes with your work with Total Football Analysis? Yeah, 100%. I think when we set up Total Football Analysis, part of the um, 
the person I set up with, Chris, Chris Darwin, asked me to set a manifesto, so basically a document to state what total football analysis would be. And that was for our, our investors, so they'd be able to see exactly what they were investing in, if you like. And part of that was, in that manifesto, it states that I believe that we should be in a position where we can write tactical analysis without trying to use language. It just tries to make us look smart. Um, <clears throat> there are there are some blogs who who do so, and ninety nine percent of the time they could use different language instead of using the complicated jargon, and and they would still be able to get their message across. But it would maybe be clearer for the reader. So it was really important for me to to write the book, and I, I do start I think in the opening. I I have a section on the fact that I'm going to use the the term half space. And I know that half spaces are something that have caused quite a lot of debate on social media through certain different people taking umbrage to the fact that they're used and, and exactly how they're they're classified. So I, I set aside the fact that I'm going to use the term half spaces because you can't talk about Manchester City tactically without talking about the half spaces. It's just it can't be done. But then other than that, I've tried my best to, to stay away from any other jargon because the way that I see it is anybody should be able to read the book and, and get a better understanding of Manchester City. I would hate for somebody to say that they tried to, to read the book and then were put off by the language that I used or the complexity of it because I tried not to be complex when I was when I was writing the book. I tried to make sure that it was accessible. And the hope is that people will read the book and, and part of the hope is that people read the book and then decide that they want to do analysis as well and then they'd be more than welcome to join us at Total Football Analysis but the hope is that it'll just kind of open up that world for some people as opposed to just you know just being something they read and then dismiss. You state early in the book that Guardiola's system is not overly complicated which I, I would disagree with <laughs> but it, it made me smile but and yeah you do the clear way that you you break it down. Yeah, it's it's not overly complicated. Maybe the speed of it and, and against the level of opposition, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. complicated. But but what strikes me is that when it's broken down, what's the biggest consistency for me is that level of risk as a coach. When you're looking at yeah. high lines, build up, full backs moving out of natural positions, even innovation and taking players somewhere where they're not used to at 20-something years of age, passes into pressure, all these things. Do you think we overlook this element of risk in in Pep's work? I think I think that's definitely true. <laughs> like you say, that a lot of times, I mean, the issue with the risk, if you like, and and the main risk that we probably talk about is the way that they play it from the back. So the use of Ederson to start lines from the goalkeeping position, and um, the willingness of John Stones to try and dribble out with pressure when he's under pressure, Zinchenko coming inside to receive the ball under pressure, Walker coming inside to do the same thing. All of this is eminently present in, in the Manchester City system. But the problem comes when a mistake is made. And this has been something that's been constant throughout Guardiola's time at Manchester City. Not so much at Bayern Munich, because for some reason, these same criticisms weren't placed on him at Bayern Munich. Maybe it's a, a function of the British media, I'm not sure. But there were times when at Bayern Munich they would try to play out, there'd be a misplaced pass, somebody would miscontrol the ball, the opposition would score. And 
it didn't seem to be the end of the world as it maybe is now. Now, you look at the, the game a couple of weeks ago against Norwich City when I think it was Otamendi that, that received the ball, um, was pressured from behind, lost the ball, and Norwich went on to score. That was used as a, a means in the media of criticising Guardiola's style of play. Now, this is the same media and the same people who are criticising the style of play that watched the Manchester City team of the last two seasons. Who, the Two seasons ago, that was the team with the, the record-breaking points total that played some of the best football we've ever seen. Last year, it was the team who held off this brilliant Liverpool side and managed to win the league despite the pressure they were put under. So it was more mentality, perhaps, and, and technical ability there. But and now, as soon as this one mistake is made, because of where it's made, that's when it becomes more difficult. If if a forward loses the ball under pressure, for example, nobody thinks anything of it. But as soon as a centre-half is willing to accept that pressure and they lose the ball, then obviously your team is completely in trouble because the opposition have got a chance on goal because your centre-half has lost the ball near his own box. So I think that the, the fact that Guardiola has always came out and taken responsibility for these things. He's always tried to minimise the, the pressure on the players when they make mistakes by saying John Stones has made this mistake, Nicholas Otamendi's made this mistake, Ederson's made this mistake, but that's because of the way that I've asked them to play. So there is an element of accepting risk and that's something that's very, very difficult for a coach to do. I'm not sure that many coaches would willingly accept that kind of risk for their centre-halves, for their defensive line, because you need players who are able to play in those areas. You can't just take, I don't know, take Aberdeen, the team that I support, for example. You can't just one day turn around to, to the Aberdeen centre-halves and say, right, this is how we're going to play. We're going to split the, the area and possession. We're going to be really narrow and, and shallow. We're going to play the ball out. You're going to play through the pressure. You're going to turn away from pressure, play through the lines, receive the ball again under pressure, and then play away, and then we're going to break through. You can't just turn around to players who, who maybe don't have that, that technical ability and that mentality that's been built into them in order to be able to do that. So, yeah, I think it is something that is very much a part of the Manchester City and, and the Pep Guardiola style, if you like, is this willingness to be to be brave under pressure, but it's always something that will cause controversy at some point because players are humans who make mistakes. The ball might bounce the wrong way, you might miscontrol the ball slightly, get pressured and lose it. So I think it's just something that he accepts as a coach. I would say there's very, very small percentage of coaches who are willing to work at that level of risk tactically. Yeah. But then where I see the problem in my eyes in the in the coaching community at is the, is the fact that we then grab elements of Guardiola's game model that aren't as risky and mm -hmm. try to then proclaim that we're playing a certain style of... Could, could you be successful implementing a Manchester City style of play without any risk? I, I would say you can't. No, no. I think it's all part of the same package, isn't it? You, you can't open up the spaces that they need in midfield without first playing out through the, the, the defensive third. And you have to be willing to to encourage the opposition to come forward and try and press you so you can play beyond that line and then access the spaces there. And I think if you just want to have the, the movements and the intricacies of the midfield, so you want your six to hold position but your eights to move into the half spaces, that in itself isn't going to be enough if teams aren't pressuring you higher up, if you like. Sometimes against teams that play a deep block, we don't see the same element of risk because... 
I mean, I suppose risk can be in different ways, though, can't it? So there were games last season, for example, the season before, when John Stones would step out from the defensive line when City were in possession. So you'd leave Otamendi as the only defender on the, on the deepest line himself, and Stones would step on the same line as Fernandinho. And that was a function from Manchester City to try and play through a, a low block because you're creating another passing lane as soon as the ball circulates from the left back comes into Fernandinho, Fernandinho moves to John Stones, who's on the same line as him in a horizontal sense. But then there's a vertical lane that's opened up because the defensive unit can't cover all those passing lanes at once. So that's an element of risk as well, because if Stones makes a mistake there, then the opposition can counter quickly and Otamendi's the last defender. So I suppose there are different ways to look at the pressure, but certainly I don't think that you can say as a coach that you're using a Pep Guardiola style of play if you're not willing to to accept risk. Just take a quick break here to thank all the coaches who joined me last week for the first ever webinar on the Modern Soccer Coach Community platform. Covered defensive transitioning and then used tactical breakdowns with the Coach Paint software. Really, really enjoyable chat with the coaches. The next webinar has been set for Tuesday, October 22nd, and the topic will be on beating the low block. So please join me, 45 minutes of analysis, and then there will be a Q&A with all the coaches, free for all members of the Modern Soccer Coach Community platform. Join now, modernsoccercoach.com slash community. Only $6 a month to access all the webinars for free along with daily content and a library of over 300 video sessions and analysis pieces that we put together with some other coaches. Also, if you have a staff or an assistant coach or two who are interested and are looking for a group deal, please just shoot me an email, gary at modernsoccercoach.com. Thank you for the support. Back to Lee. Another theme that jumped, not jumped out at me, but I started to pick up on throughout the book was this conflict or contradictions in traditional football thinking, which what Guardiola has has almost done with certain style, certain principles in his game model. So, for example, they're playing into pressure in the build up with the the press resistance element, almost mm-hmm. conflicts with positional play of finding the free player. Do you find that? And then if so, then how do you then analyse this here when there are certain grey areas when it comes to decision-making and game models? I think when you analyse any game of football, you we can never know 100% what the coach was thinking. Um, that's something that's that we make clear to everybody who comes to write for us at Total Football Analysis. There's no way that you will get things 100% correct. All that we ask is that you you keep an open mind and you try to you try to piece together exactly what you think they were trying to do. So we look at the different phases of play. So in the attacking phase, what were they trying to do? How were they looking to progress the ball? In the defensive phase, how did they press? Did they drop off? Did they try to close passing lanes? Were they deep and compact or were they strung out? In the transition, were they quick in the attacking transition, trying to get direct balls at the channels to quickly attack before the defence was set? So there's all these different things that we try and, and help people to see. But when you're looking at Manchester City, you're right, a lot of what they do and a lot of what Guardiola's always done is subvert traditional thinking. But that's, I think that's as much a mark of the man as anything else because he's he's always been quite contrary when you look at his playing days at Barcelona, there was a lot of criticism in certain parts of the Spanish media because he, he would go to fashion shows. 
he would go to the opera, he would read newspapers when other players weren't reading newspapers. So he was seen as somebody who was maybe a little bit out with the social norm for what a footballer was, was considered to be. And then obviously he moved from Barcelona and he, he moved to Brescia in Italy. And who saw him moving to Brescia at any point? I remember Guardiola as a player at Brescia in Roma. Um, and then obviously they moved to Mexico to play under Juan Manuel Lilo because he wanted to, to experience the game model that Lilo used as a coach. So he's always been somebody who's really subverted normal thinking processes, if you like, so that he doesn't really conform to what we expect him to do. And we definitely see that on the pitch. So you've got playing into pressure instead of finding the free man. They play into pressure and then they find the free man. So it's kind of got an element of both there. So his players are willing to accept pressure because they're press resistant, because they can play quickly and accurately and are technically amongst the best players in the world. So as they play into pressure, quite often what we see is the ball comes forward from the centre half to one of the eights or to Fernandinho's the six. As the pressure comes, the ball's then set back again. So it's a simple up, back and through mechanism, which is something that a lot of coaches use. So it's a way to break lines. It's a way to get vertical passes into space and to find find the, the space behind the pressure. So Man City do that quite a lot to access the, the eight on the opposite side. So that they'll play into Silva, for example. Silva sets it back to Fernandinho. Fernandinho plays it to De Bruyne. And then Man City are away because Sterling and Aguero are making their runs. De Bruyne is driving forward with the ball. You see the same thing when we talk about the fact that he doesn't quite conform to normal football expectations when we look at the way that he uses players. So that move to use Messi as a false nine at Barcelona, the false nine is not new. The false nine was used by Hungary in the last century when they played it against England. It was something that the Hungarians used to great effect with their, their great national team. Other coaches have used it at different points in football history, but the fact that he saw he saw the problem and he understood what the solution would be and was willing to implement that. The same thing with the inverted fullbacks. I mean, nobody thought that he would use David Alaba and Philip Lam as, as auxiliary central midfielders who would step inside in possession, but that was a function of what he saw he wanted to do to open space elsewhere, so he was quite happy to go ahead and do that. And I think that's kind of what sets him apart, though. It's that ability to think out with normal football norms. So he doesn't see that, that football has to be 4-3-3 versus 4-4-2. He sees spaces and problems and sees ways to occupy spaces or to solve problems. Very interesting. Very interesting. So if that's the impact of his personality on his football thinking, what then, when you watch the you know, the access we see through Amazon documentary, what do you think the impact of his personality is on his players? That's massive. Absolutely massive. I think more now than ever. I think there are very few players in world football who would turn down the chance to move to Manchester City. Not for the money, not for the prestige of playing for a top side, not to win trophies, but to be coached by Pep Guardiola. And in this, I think I think he's only got one peer in this sense, and that's Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. It just so happens that it's their biggest rival because players want to play for coaches that they A, think will value them and B, can improve them. And that's kind of the mentality of top players, isn't it? It's not the mentality of every player. Some players don't really enjoy football that much. They just want to turn up, get their paycheck, and then go about their daily lives as ever they want to. So they want coaches who 
who won't take that extra interest, who won't be hard on them in the training ground, if you like. And Guardiola, I mean, I, those Amazon documentaries were interesting because you saw the passion of, in the way that he interacts with the players. The language isn't always there, but that's a function of, of working in a, a foreign country, I think. Sometimes, as much as he struggles sometimes with the vocabulary, the language a little bit, especially when he's getting passionate about something, the way that he communicates with his players is just so much through his body language then, the analysis, his gestures, his passion, the fact you can see that he cares so much about them and what they're doing, if you like. Um, I think that any player really wants to be a part of that. They believe now that, that as a player, Guardiola can improve their game and make them better in the training field, which is it's huge for somebody who has great ambition to, to go on and become the best at their position. If you look at the likes of um, Raheem Sterling, um, over the last two, three seasons, his game has improved exponentially under Guardiola. He's become a completely different kind of player. And, and I touch upon it in the book when I talk about his ability now to finish chances. Because before, the big problem with Sterling was that he was taking shots from poor areas. He was trying to shoot from acute angles out with the with the, the, the posts and always trying to cut back across the goalkeeper in, in areas that the arrow was the, the angle was tight and it was difficult to get the ball through. Now under Guardiola, we see him take much smarter shots. So he cuts inside and looks for those opportunities in the penalty area and the width of the the goal, if you like. So little things like that, players can see that. Players recognise when when their peers are improving and how they're improving, and, and players talk. So I, I do think that his his ability to to communicate and to be passionate and to to help develop players is something that will will make a lot of different players want to desperately play for for Man City. Uh, last couple for you. Analysis. Whenever you're doing the research and you're doing your work, can you talk a little bit about for this book in particular? How did you go about that? Was it reading websites, TV, live games? How did that all process work? I think it was all of the above. Um, I think I read anyway. I, I read a lot. I've always got a book in my hands. And there are, are certain people who, whose articles I always look out for and make sure that I bookmark on, on my pocket app to go back and read later on. So so that's something that I use as a, a source of information. But in terms of for... For the book, I went back and watched every game from Manchester City over the last two seasons, um, and now it's got to the point now where I've been I've been writing analysis and doing analysis of football for so long that I can watch games at double speed. Um, so you're not so much following the ball anymore, but you're just watching the patterns. So you're you're looking to see movements that players are making, and that helps you to be able to to kind of puzzle out what coaches are trying to do. That's something that I. I learned years ago from from Rene Maric from speaking to him um, about how he analyzes games and he used to I think he watched them in triple speed and he used to analyze two games a day because his his analysis ability even back then was just so great so I, I watched every game back I I read narratives if you like I, I went back and and looked over what was being said about the teams at the time and and made my own opinions based upon that um. But yeah, a lot of it, I think that if you're going to do analysis, there are some people and there are still some people that we get who join us in total football analysis. And when they ask for, we we don't give everybody Y Scout access. Um, at first, you've got to learn 
kind of our processes and you've got to prove to us that you're you're somebody who's going to be keen and committed and is is able to be a really good analyst and and then you get access so and the first stage is that we ask them to post up in one of our slack channels when they, they want footage so somebody will get the footage for them and post it up on google drive and you still get people who join us in total football analysis that when they're going to do a match analysis piece they ask for the highlights and you just can't you, can, you can't analyze a match based on the highlights because you're using subjective information that somebody else has put together for you thinking that this these are the moments that are important but i'm sure as you know gary as a coach that those aren't necessarily the moments that are important <laughs> you've got to be able to watch the full game and have an understanding of of the flow of the game of the the game state of the different ways that teams are, are moving and interacting with one another before you can do that so I think that in terms of writing a book like this, the, the important part was I was able to, to access all the past matches on my scout and I did sit for days and days and days and just watch Pep Guardiola's Manchester City play football, which is no hard task, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's got to be frustrating. I, I, I get frustrated as a coach and I've said this for, for a while in the podcast that I think Social media has been great, and it's been great for analysis, right? Because it's the not only the volume that we can now get, but the almost the time lag that you can you get a day later, or you get the whole breakdown. But it's it's also created a community of people that are shortcutting the process, both analysts and yes. coaches. Um, how do we how do we stop that? Not stop it. How do we help educate that? Yeah, you, you can't. I mean, you're saying there you can't analyze a game with the highlights. Lee, there's people that are analysing the game based off tweets. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot worse than that. How how do we improve that or educate? I, I think it's difficult because, like you say, that there's been an awful lot of good that has come from social media. Um, I've I have found a lot of good content through Twitter. That's that's the one piece of social media that I use above and beyond any other. And I've found a lot of interesting people with interesting thoughts and interesting perspectives of the game and that write interesting pieces and all of that's came through social media and, and, and Twitter. But I do see the other side. Um, I do see the people who everything seems to be based to an extent just now on narratives. So, for example, we, we talked earlier on about the Manchester City goal they conceded against Norwich when Otamendi received the ball, was pressured, lost it and Norwich scored. The narrative immediately was that Otamendi's not a good centre half and that Pep Guardiola needs to find a different way to play football. Now, <laughs> Otamendi's a. In terms of, you wouldn't have him in the top 10 centre halves in, in the world, but are you honestly trying to tell me that he's not a good centre half because he made one mistake in one game? Are you honestly trying to tell me that Pep Guardiola needs to implement a new style of football? because they conceded that one goal in this one way which admittedly was a direct result of the way that he wants to play football but you still can't just make those snap judgments. I think that all that we can do because you'll never influence all the people that use social media you'll never be able to to influence every coach or analyst who who wants to build their body of work that way but I think you know yourself that coaches who who coach in micro instead of actually taking the the time to step back and to build a, a full picture of what they're trying to do as a coach, they just try to implement little pieces and think that's going to make them successful. 
those aren't the coaches that, that you're going to be really interacting with going forward. You're going to be interacting with the coaches who want to understand the process and want to do things properly, if you like. And it's the same for analysts. So I think that all that we can do, you through your podcast, us through our website or, or any other media that we use, podcasts, for example, um, I think that all we can do is keep trying to give people the good information and to, to make sure that they're getting what we think is the right way to do things and hopefully that'll influence people and and get them thinking the same way so that they can they can challenge themselves and they can develop themselves to the point where they're maybe going to be the ones releasing a book in a couple of years that that i'll look forward to reading brilliant brilliant all right last one for you how do you beat this man city team <laughs> uh, it's very difficult because I don't think there is one set way to beat them. If if you look at, again, I'm touching upon Norwich because that's the most recent one that comes to mind. Um, Norwich came out in the front foot and they, they played Manchester City man for man, if you like. They they were they were aggressive, they were quick, they pressed, they, they passed, they, they played quickly in transition and tried to overload the defence for Man City as often as they could and, and that's one way to do it. But Anything you do to this Manchester City team, they will have a counter for. And that's what makes them so difficult to beat. So teams that press high, we've seen that they can play through that press. But not only that, the the signing a couple of years ago of Ederson, I think, opened up a whole new element to this Man City team. So you press them high, they go back to Ederson, and Ederson's accuracy with long kicks is phenomenal. He'll find space in, in a player who's isolated one-on-one against a, a defensive player, and he'll play the ball over the top of your press happily. You want to sit back, Manchester City will cycle the ball from left to right. They'll find the vertical passing lane into the half spaces. That will give them an advanced platform, and then from there, they'll go on and penetrate the penalty area. They'll cut the ball back from the wide area, and they'll tap into the net. There, there's no one way to beat them. I think that you have to be brave. You have to be willing to play football. You can't sit deep and just hope to counter. You have to be willing to press them and be aggressive and, and match them, if you like. And that's something that we saw, I think, over the last couple of years from Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. They've been Jurgen Klopp's been the one coach who's consistently been able to give Guardiola problems because he's willing to meet them head on as equals, if you like, instead of looking for ways to change his team's game model in order to, to attack the Man City game model. He's just went, fine, we'll match them. We'll we'll show them what we have. They can show us what we have. And then you'll have 90 minutes, the two teams going at each other. And, and that's, that's what makes those clashes so interesting. So I think finding a way to beat Manchester City on a regular basis isn't something that we've really seen so far. So it's, I think it's a difficult one to answer. Lee, thank you so much. First class, I've really, really enjoyed this. First of all, the book and then just the breakdown, but also then the chat of, you know, the process that you've come across in writing it and then in studying it and, and your perspective on on Pep Guardiola. Really, really, really interesting. So I'm obviously going to recommend every coach go ahead and, and get mastered in the Premier League. I'm sure everyone's going to be wanting to, to pick it up. Where do they get it? Uh, you can get it in any bookshops in the UK. <clears throat> it's on Amazon and it's on Book Depository. Um, there are electronic formats available too. If a few people ask me if I'm, there's going to be an audible book, and there's not because they, you'll know yourself that too many illustrations and really the, the audible book just wouldn't work in that format. Um, 
But I would say as well that if any coaches or analysts are listening that want to get more experience in that side of things, then get in touch. We're always looking for people to come and join us at Total Football Analysis. And we we start at the very beginning for, for people so they can come in and, and kind of develop their analysis skills as they go. No, thanks very much for having me, Gary. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much to Lee for his time and his insight there. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's pretty ironic that we're so many podcasts in at this stage i don't even know how many we've done and we haven't really done a, an in-depth one on pep guardiola either at barcelona bayern man city probably for the reason that every coach in the world has read pep confidential so you don't want to be the one bringing it up again and, and going through that there because it is the is the one book on everyone's everyone's bookshelf but this book was different this book was very interesting this book was fascinating from my eyes because it just walks you through the evolution of pep's tactical thoughts again like lee said you don't know what in any analysis you don't know what is in the coach's head you're if you don't have access to training meetings conversations with staff then analysis is only going to be limited but when you can see the trends the tactical trends and watch them week in week out and then look at the recruitment and look at the type of players and the profiling that they're going through with bringing players in it does become a very very fascinating study of how these coaches work and that's where I felt that when I went through the book and I flew through it it is it's really really easy to read loads of diagrams and he does start it off with the yeah it's, it's not very complex but any coach in the world who's reading it and you try and do it with your players it is super complex so not overly complicated in terms of jargon like he says but very interesting from a perspective of seeing what's next for City and seeing what's next for Guardiola absolutely brilliant the other aspect of the interview that I enjoyed and and we spoke a lot before we recorded and after we recorded was on the analysis piece and if you haven't subscribed to Total Football Analysis please go ahead and do it the amount of coaches that send me emails or messages on Instagram or on Twitter, just a little DM, hey Gary, what what would you recommend reading? Hey Gary, what should I read? What are you looking at? What book would you recommend? Listen, re- read every single thing that you can get your hands on with any form of analysis or training about the game. And th- that's my philosophy on any form of document that can make you a better coach or that can open your eyes, even stuff that you might not agree with, absolutely, by all means, read it, consume it, think about it, talk to people about it. I don't think you can do enough of it. I don't think you can read enough. I really don't. And I'm not just saying that because I've written books. (laughs) But I talked to Lee before about the process of analysing games and he talked a little bit about it in the podcast and it was really interesting how you get an eye for analysis and... And I said it in the podcast, I do think we're in danger of shortcutting the process as coaches sometimes by getting swept away with headlines or getting swept away with two clips on Twitter or getting swept away with Instat, the amount of coaches that say, yeah, we do player development because our players look at their clips after the game. It's not enough. It's not enough. And and depth and analysis is not done in two or three minutes. Depth and analysis takes time. So to refine that skill... I applaud Lee not only at at doing it and promoting it through Total Football Analysis but also in what they're doing with young analysts and trying to educate the next generation of analysts and trying to promote the depth of thinking and challenging how we view the game 
both tactically, training, everything. Really appreciate what him and Chris are doing over there. So go ahead, go out there, get the book, have a read of it. Tell me what you think. At Gary Cronin on Twitter, at Gary Cronin on Instagram. Always appreciate the support. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.